insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Hello and good morning. My name is Patrick Madrid and this is my show. And you're invited to call in and be part of the experience. The number to dial, sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters, is 888-914-9149. I have some news from the border I want to share with you. And those of you who are holding on the lines, thank you for your patience. 888-914-9149. Oh, email, yeah, patrick at relevantradio.com. Cyrus, you look again, yet again, tanned, rested, and ready. How was your vacation? Uh, it was great. It's good to be back. Uh, I came home with a cold, so we'll we'll see how I. <laughs> Most people come back with a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I got. I also have a t-shirt. Yeah, but uh, I'll uh, I'll struggle through here. It'll be fine. But you were obviously out in the sun. You look good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So uh, how, how? What's going on? What I miss? I see the deflection technique here. Uh, everything went well. Father Matthew, of course, he always does a stellar job of filling in for me. So thank you, Father Matthew. Well done. Um, and for you, it was young Thomas who filled in for you. I was gone on Tuesday, but you were gone for a week. So young Thomas did a fine job in your stead yesterday. Yeah, he's great. We're lucky mm-hmm. to have him. Anyone else we need to praise? Uh, I mean, God, of course. We always praise God. <laughs> yeah, let's but. start there. Well, let's talk about the border. Um, this, Oh, you know, look, we had a couple people who were holding online, and they dropped because they— we're not patient, I guess. They were probably going to, they're like, ah, oh, Cyrus is going to talk about his vacation for five minutes. I'm not sticking around mm. to that. <laughs> yeah, see how that works? 888-914-9149. Well, the early bird gets the worm, so sorry you didn't get the worm this time, guys, but you can call back. So just update here on what's going on on the border. This is uh, from KFOX TV. It's a local affiliate down in Tejas. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is seeking to shut down what's known as Annunciation House, an El Paso Catholic nonprofit organization that has provided shelter and other services to migrants and immigrants for decades. Uh, Paxson said in his statement, the chaos at the southern border has created an environment where non-governmental organizations funded with taxpayer money from the Biden administration facilitate astonishing horrors, including human smuggling. While the federal government perpetuates the lawlessness destroying this country, my office works day in and day out to hold these organizations responsible for worsening illegal immigration. Ruben Garcia, the founder and director of Annunciation House, denounced the attorney general's action in a statement, saying the attorney general's illegal, immoral, and anti-faith position to shut down Annunciation House is unfounded. He had raised concerns last year that Texas's crackdown on immigration could imperil the work of church-based groups in immigration. I'm going to pause here for a second. Part of this issue is the vast amount of government money that is given to these kinds of organizations. So there's there's a huge amount, I mean, we're talking many millions of dollars involved in government money going to organizations like this one. This is, they qualify under the rules and they receive. So keep this in mind as we go through this story that there's a lot of money on the table Garcia told a bipartisan delegation of U.S. senators visiting El Paso in January of last year, the church is at risk because the volunteers are asking themselves, if I feed someone who's unprocessed, if I give someone a blanket who's unprocessed, if I help them get off the street, am I liable to be prosecuted for that? 
shame on us that in this you know, on this day this is even being brought up in the United States. Garcia said his organization provides a vital service and warned that organizations could be at risk of actions by Governor Paxton. Now, there, there's more to the statement, and it goes into Annunciation House has kept hundreds of thousands of refugees coming through our city, keeping them off the streets, giving them food, and it details the, the good work and the good things that they do for these folks. The article says, This month's action marks the latest escalation by the Texas state official to assert control over the immigration issue along the U.S.-Mexico border. And by the way, the reason for that, this is me speaking, is because of the dereliction of the Biden administration in this area. And you, we've talked about that, so we don't need to go back through all that. Um, the state accuses Annunciation House of engaging in human smuggling because it provides transportation to migrants. According to court records, investigators with the Attorney General's office went to Annunciation House's South El Paso office on February 7th and served the agency with a request to examine records related to its operations. Annunciation House received a temporary restraining order the next day from the 205th District Court Judge Francisco Dominguez of El Paso, which blocked the Attorney General from enforcing the order for records. Well, I'm going to pause here and say, why would you... I mean, if, if you're on the up and up, and maybe you are, far as I know you are, no reason for me to think otherwise, but if everything's on the up and up Annunciation House, why would you get a restraining order to prevent law enforcement to examine the records of your operations? Why? I mean, I mean, it seems like it would be a reasonable request, especially if everything's great. That would further exonerate you, wouldn't it? Um, Jerome Wesovich, an attorney for Annunciation House, said in a letter to the Attorney General's office, Annunciation House wishes to provide you the documents to which you are entitled under law. This will require study and work on our part, and unfortunately litigation as well as, as well, because it is impossible to comply with your deadline, and we remain concerned about the legality of certain aspects of your request. Paxson's office on Tuesday filed a counterclaim against Annunciation House, seeking to overturn the temporary restraining order and in actually make it illegal for this organization to do business in Texas. The Attorney General alleges that Annunciation House is violating state law by refusing to turn over the requested records and could be shut down, or should be shut down, I should say. That's the wording that's used there. Records sought by Paxson's office include documents sufficient to show all services that you provide to aliens, whether in the United States legally or illegally and all documents provided to individual aliens as part of your intake process. So that's where things stand right now. And um, it is probably not going to be resolved anytime soon. But it is now kind of out in the public view in a way that I don't remember it being before. Uh, so that article, by the way, written by Robert Moore, we can get a link to that for you if you're interested. And um, there it is, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Jeffrey in Minnesota. Good morning, Jeffrey. Uh, good morning, Patrick. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I Happy got a couple to. of questions. Um, and I'm wondering, because at times when I pray with the kids and the family, it can get kind of boring. So, mm -hmm. but I feel like there's something important to repeating ourselves. In a, in a way, we kind of have to eat every day. We have to wake up every day. We go to work every day. I feel like there's something, something important to repeating ourselves, and, and including in prayer. So I'm wondering if there's some insight to that. 
that you can share uh, with me um, uh-huh. if that's something you thought about. Um, yeah. And uh, the second. Why don't we Why don't we pause on that one sure first, Jeffrey, if you don't mind? Okay. So, yes, if what you're saying is there's a benefit to doing things consistently, and so a rote prayer, for example, like Jesus taught us in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, when you pray, pray like this. And he gave us what's known as the Lord's Prayer, the Pater Noster, our Father who art in heaven. And he didn't suggest that we just say it once and then never say it again. It was intended to be prayed regularly. And that formula, rote prayer, comes to us directly from God himself. So there is a great benefit, as we can also see in the Old Testament scriptures. So the Psalms, for example, it was routine that those who could memorize things would memorize the Psalms and they would pray them. And they'd pray them from memory as a way of praising God and thanking him and all the other things that go into that. So there's no, there's no need to exhaustively go through the biblical teaching and the biblical examples of formula prayer. But that, of course, is just one kind of prayer. And the other kind that we're most familiar with, rather, would be prayer that wells up from the heart, extemporaneous prayer, in your own words. Um, you may notice, if you ever spend any time around evangelical Protestants, that they're, they have certain prayer forms, like Lord or Father God, I just want to do this, and I just want to say this, and I just want to say this, Father God. So they even they, although they largely will avoid formula prayers, not every last person, but many of them do, because they think it's of, quote-unquote, religion, and for many, religion equals bad, and from the heart equals good. Well, there's a place for both, obviously. And even they will have their prayer forms. Father God, Abba Father, Lord, I just want to, etc. So that's a natural human thing to want to put not just a kind of formula in your words, but also a kind of precision in what it is you're praying for. This is one of the beauties, Jeffrey, of teaching your children these ancient prayers of the church, because they encapsulate very specifically, very precisely, truths of the faith. So I would encourage you, you know, continue to teach your children and pray with your children in terms of those kind of prayers, and and explain to them, you know, if you think this is boring, uh, let's think about what it is you're saying. What are the words, what do they mean? What does the Hail Mary mean? Why in the Bible did the angel... Gabriel, come to the Blessed Virgin Mary and say these words to her. And as you're praying, be thinking about the meaning of these words and how they come to us straight from the Bible, etc., etc. Then it seems you can also roll in the teaching on here's how to pray without using a formula prayer. Here's how you could pray from your heart in the moment using your own words, and then you go first and lead by example and show them how to pray intercessory prayers for other people, how to pray prayers of repentance for your sins, how to praise God, how to adore God. All the things that go into prayer, they should be learning how to do that as well. And lastly, I would propose that they, that, that you inculcate in them the sense that prayer is conversation with God. And at the lowest level, which I think most of us tend to subsist at, <clears throat> it's where we're doing all the talking. But when you go deeper into prayer as the great mystics and great saints and masters of spiritual theology tell us, the deeper you go and the more mature you become in your Christian life, 
the more you tend to move away from that kind of discursive prayer, you move more in the, the next phase typically would be that of meditation, where you're not using formula prayers so much, you're not really speaking from your heart extemporaneously, but rather you're actively meditating upon the Lord and the things of the Lord. And then the deepest end of the pool, few people get there, but the deepest end of the pool, we're told, is contemplation, where you're no longer actively doing something, but you're gazing upon the Lord the way you might gaze upon a beautiful sunset. And you just bask in that glow. You're, you're praying at a very deep level. It's also known as mental prayer. So for my money, Jeff, I would say you're doing great thus far. Maybe add some of these other things. Teach the kids the things I mentioned. And I have a feeling it will become a lot less boring for them. What do you think? <laughs> that, that, that was great. I love that. Okay. Um, you that had a second question. Helps. Right? I did. Uh, can I just follow up real quick? Yeah, please uh, do. The first one. Is there something to just repeating ourselves in just like everyday life? It, is there anything spiritually connected to having routines? Like, you mean like a routine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you, you brush know? your teeth probably maybe three times a day. You get up in the morning, get ready for work, you brush your teeth. And you probably wouldn't, uh, you, you would feel weird and gross if you were to go to work not having brushed your teeth, right? Yeah, so that's a routine. You get up at a certain time every morning. You probably eat more or less the same kind of foods for breakfast every morning, or maybe it's just a cup of coffee, or maybe you don't drink coffee, whatever it is. We all have our routines, and those mundane routines can be elevated and made holy when we do them with the consciousness of God. Even when you're brushing your teeth, you could be, you could be consciously thinking about the Lord and praying to Him, driving to work. So those kind of routines, if that's what you're driving at, Jeffrey, those are good. And they're like lane stripes on a freeway. To my mind, that's a good analogy. I mean, they're there not to burden you, but to help you stay in your lane, not in the modern sense of the phrase, but so that you can avoid traffic accidents and problems like that. Lane stripes are there to help us. And I think routines are there to help us as well, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, oh, that's that's great. Thank you. Um, uh, Okay, the second question, just something I think about personally. Uh, I'm not sure the importance behind it, but um, and this may be like coming out of left field, but um, most of the show comes out of left field, Jeffrey. Don't feel bad. (laughs) That's that's what I like about this show. Uh, All right. Um, So this next one is with the Jewish faithful, like. They've always had communication with God, and I, and has that stopped? And or has, has what it stopped? Uh, Could I, you repeat that, please? Has well, what stopped? How, sure. How God communicates through the Jewish faith back then, we know through all our stories and in the Bible, uh, how God communicated with the Jews. Is that continuing, or has that stopped? Um, Do you mean? Okay, let me try to nail this yeah. down. When you say communicating through. Do you mean like continuing to to give them inspired scripture? Is that what you mean? Well, like how we have apparitions with Our Lady and how Jesus comes to certain individuals. Uh, is that happening with the Jewish faith where God once spoke with Abraham, Elijah, you know, like, and is that still happening? 
Uh, well, that's what I'm trying to get to. So it, forgive my obtuseness here, Jeffrey. Either it seems you're asking, does God draw people? Does he pull them toward the truth? And the answer to that, of course, would be true. That's for everybody. God gives sufficient grace to everybody, Jews, atheists, Buddhists, Catholics, for that matter. Um, he's drawing us. And so that continues to this day. So when Jesus said in John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, he didn't mean only the people existing in the world at that time, but this is for all people at all times. So yes, if that's what you're driving at, yes, God is still drawing people. Some people, they harden their hearts, they ignore it, they reject it, some accept it, and so that's continuing to happen. But if the other way of understanding what you're saying is that is God, you know, is maybe what you're really trying to say is, is Judaism a valid religion? Maybe that's what you're trying to say. Is that still a religion that had the kind of validity quotient, if we can use that, that it did up to the time that Jesus arrived? Is that a better way of restating your question? Um, you know, uh, I, I, I haven't really thought about this to put it in a form of a question. It's just something that I thought in my own personal time, just is God still appearing and physically like speaking to those in the Jewish faith, uh, like Mary and Jesus does till this day. If you're okay, so maybe we can narrow it down. If you're wondering, is there such thing as private revelation that's authentically coming from God yeah. and is being given to Jews? I have not heard of anything like that. And I'm not steeped in, you know, those sort of things. So maybe something like that has happened. I just don't know. Um, but I would have to think that short of some kind of like apparition or something, that God is still, to go back to that first point, God is still drawing these people like he draws everyone else. And if it took the form like that, if it took the form of a dream, as often these things do, and he appears in a dream or he, in their thoughts, he's becoming more present to them. Sure. I, I think God does that all around the world. And so okay. I don't, I wouldn't, I would never say no, God doesn't do that or he can't do that. I'm just not aware of there being publicized instances of that. I mean, I can't imagine, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I can't think of an instance where a rabbi said, God appeared to me and told me this. I, I've never heard of that happening. So I'll have to take a rain check on that part, Jeffrey. But it's been an interesting conversation, that's for sure. Thank you for that. 888-914-9149. That's the number to call to be on the air. And remember I told you about that young woman who did the video? <clears throat> it was on TikTok, and she was talking about her dad that ran out on the family when she was five years old to become a professional break dancer. Well, there's some update on that, and it gets into a lot of important issues. So we'll touch on that as well when we come back from this quick timeout. Join Father Rocky this September for a pilgrimage to Poland and Prague. You'll visit the lands of St. John Paul the Great, St. Faustina, Our Lady of Czestochowa, and the Infant Child of Prague. Seats are limited. Information at RelevantRadio.com Poland. That's RelevantRadio.com Poland. Compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Oh, 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 oh,
We're back in action. Let's get this road show back on the road, shall we? 888-914-9149. To the phones, Brian in California. Thank you for waiting. Hi, I'm Brian from California. Hi, Patrick. Um, I had a question. Can you get divorced, remarried, and do your first communion? Okay, let's slow it down here. So let's talk about the first marriage. So the first marriage, is that between two Catholics? Yes. Married in the church, et cetera, et cetera? Yes. Okay, and then that couple breaks up. What a sad thing. And then... Okay, so then let's just throw a dart and say the man, the husband, he gets remarried, but not in the church because he didn't pursue the church to determine whether the first marriage was null or valid, right? So he goes to the justice of the peace with the new lady, and they get married civilly. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Now, are they still living together as man and wife? No. So the second marriage ended as well? Um, They're still married, but not living together. Okay. So they're legally married in the eyes of the state, if not the eyes of the church. And so they're no longer living as husband and wife doing what married people do, right? Correct. Okay. Well, I would, if I were giving counsel to that man, I would say, go back to your wife. Go back to your first wife. Reconcile with her. Save the marriage. Patch things up. Do what you need to do. And if she's already now remarried or something else drastic has happened, and maybe he'd say that's impossible... She has a restraining yeah. order against me. Who knows what it could be? I don't know. But let's just say my first advice would be go back to your wife and reconcile and get that back on track. If for whatever reason he says that's not possible, then I would say then sit down with your parish priest and start the process for what we colloquially call the annulment. The church cannot annul a valid consummated marriage, but the church can investigate to see if that marriage, the first marriage, was indeed valid. Or null. And if it was null, then at least that question has been answered, that that first marriage is not something binding on him. But the church could return a verdict and say, well, that first marriage was valid, in which case he's going to be perpetually living by himself. He won't get remarried because he's already married. So that would be my advice for him to find out. Now, if the second marriage is sort of for all intents and purposes, over. I mean, is the second marriage over? I mean, is that woman interested in resuming married life with him, even though it's an invalid marriage? Are they going to part the... She's not Catholic. Okay. So as to that second union, that second civil marriage, my question is, is that something he can just walk away from and be done with it, get a divorce and it's done? Are there children involved? There's no children involved, but they are married. Okay. So then I would say if, if, if you, if I were speaking to him, I would say, if you really want to reconcile with your first wife, then get divorced civilly from this wife, second wife, who's not validly married to you anyway. I've heard this story here. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But, um, no, the first wife got remarried. Well, see, there it is. That was my question. So if it's impossible. Yeah, she got remarried. Okay, so so that's what I meant. So if for some if something destroyed the possibility of reconciling with the first wife, 
then I would approach the parish priest and say, I would like to find I would like to file my paperwork for an annulment. And then after the church's due diligence, then he would find out if he's free to pursue marriage. If the church says, Well, your first marriage is valid, and even though she's off with another man now, you and she are really validly married. Chances are that won't be the verdict, but it could be. But more likely it would be that that marriage was declared null. So if he wouldn't be able hap- to do his first communion? Well, hear me out. If that's what happened, then he would then know that he's no longer, he, he no longer has to wonder whether or not he was bound by that first marriage if it's declared null by the church. So that's down the road. In the meantime, though, especially since he's not living with the second woman or any other woman for that matter, he can go to confession, make a, an honest, thorough confession of all his mortal sins, including those since his last good confession, however long ago that was, be truly sorry for his sins and have a firm purpose of amendment. The priest will give him absolution and a penance. And from that point forward, he can begin receiving Holy Communion. Oh, I think I understand. Mm-hmm. So okay. if, if yeah. that man is you, maybe it's not, but if that man is you, that's what I would propose to you. Prepare for confession. We have a great prep, a great uh, examination of conscience on the relevant radio app. If you want to download that on your phone, go on the app store and just download the relevant radio app, and you'll find it in the prayer section. And you'll want to make a thorough examination of conscience, and this would include everything, every possible thing that could be a mortal sin from the last time you went to confession, and make a good, thorough confession. Don't hold anything back. Be honest. You can't play God, games with God anyway. Be honest, get it all out there, you receive absolution, and then you are good to go, and you can be receiving Holy Communion same day. Okay, I got it. Thank you, Patrick. You're welcome. Did we get everything, or was there anything other than that? That, 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 was, that was it, but it's not me, but yeah, it was just a question that he had kind of for me. Got it. And um, yeah, so I, I just can't answer everybody's questions, because I, I uh, live my own life, but I mean, sure. it, was just on, it was just on my shoulders all the time. Well, that's thoughtful of you to want to help your friend. You know what you could do, Brian, is about an hour after the program is over, it will be archived on the RelevantRadio.com website, also on the Relevant Radio app. So you could just grab the link to this first hour and shoot it over to him, text it to him, and say, start listening in about... Yeah, so just say, start listening in about 25 after, 20 after, something like that, whenever it was that we started. And then he can hear my explanation. That would take a little bit of burden off of you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Cool. I'll try to do that. Great. Hey, by the way, Brian, are you on Reddit perchance? Reddit? No. Yeah. No, okay. I was just curious. I always like it when people who are on Reddit say how much they like the Patrick Madrid show and say it on Reddit. That's always cool. So thanks, Brian. I hope that's helpful to you. Speaking of Reddit, Um, that's a very heavily trafficked platform and lots of people out there. And there's a whole section on Catholicism. So just putting the word out, if you happen to be on Reddit, whoever you are out there in Radioland, and if you'd like to help Relevant Radio, my advice, my encouraging encouragement would be that you go on Reddit and tell people what you like about Relevant Radio. Tell them what you like about this show. Post a link to the show, relevantradio.com slash Patrick. And um, and raise awareness. It's a great place to raise awareness. There are a lot of people out there on places like Reddit. That's not the only one, but places where people are looking for answers. They're looking for information. 
and we can help them. There are a lot of other good organizations out there who help as well, but we certainly can. So if you are on Reddit, I would say maybe every every couple of days, every week or whatever, maybe you can grab a certain part of the show that you like or you thought was helpful and post that link and let more people know about it. Right, Cyrus? Wouldn't you agree with me, Cyrus? <laughs> I bet you do, yeah. Let's see. Let's go to Judy now in Chicago. Hello, Judy. Hi, Patrick. Um, I'm calling in response to um, Jeffrey, who was talking about repetitive prayer. Right. And um, for me, um, I want to just suggest that um, it was helpful when I was praying repetitive prayer, such as the rosary. I would um, I would think every Hail Mary, I was flexing my muscle, and I even told my you know kids, my grandchildren this, and my daughter, you know, I bring my fists to my shoulder, and and each Hail Mary, you know, it's like I, I built that muscle. Um, so that's, that's a benefit for me. And also, um, every, every prayer that you pray of that, you can visualize yourself taking another step on a ladder, which mm-hmm. is also getting you closer to God. So these vis- visualizations yeah. kind of can help people who, uh, you know, don't know the Catholic, you know, our Catholic way or just get bored. And even myself, I sometimes, if I feel that way, I kind of like bring myself back to that thought. And, I like um, it. Yeah. You know, if I can interrupt, Judy, just for a moment, I like the you're tying in an analogy that's very useful. If somebody says, yeah, but these prayers are just repetitive. Well, if you go to the gym, don't right. you do repetitive, you know, reps of, of mm-hmm. you're working your muscles repetitively over and over and over again mm-hmm. the same way? So mm-hmm. I do see an analogy there that is helpful. Thank right. you for that. Also, um, I did look this up, and it, it uh, when you pray the rosary, um, I, I don't know if it's the breathing in and out of the repetitive prayer, but it does stimulate the vagus nerve. So that is, it brings a, a, a good feeling to you as well because of that mm-hmm. nerve being stimulated. Fair um, enough. So those, those are good things. And also, I also talk to people who um, are bored with going to Mass and and here again, I'll use another sports analogy, sort of, you know, when you go to a baseball game, <laughs> there's nine innings, you know, and pretty much the same stuff kind of happens, you know, mm-hmm. things don't move along real quickly. Um, there's, you know, you have the opening, uh, um, you know, the song and, and such, and then, you know, the seventh inning stretch song, and, and mm-hmm. it, it's just repetitive, you know, there's there's three strikes, there's all those things happening. So if, if sometimes if you can, bring that to somebody and use that analogy, it really is helpful. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then think of it that way. You know, we do we do that in all, all kinds of sports things, you know. So. Yeah, no, anyway. that's, that's a very good point. In other words, there is value in routine, uh, like going back mm-hmm. to the working out at the gym motif. You know, there's a certain routine. You work your biceps, you work your all the various muscle groups, and you work them the same way with repetition over and over again. Um, there's value in that. And I wonder, and I'm not in that world, but I wonder if somebody said, you know what, I'm just going to do it freestyle. I'm just going to, I'm going to be a bodybuilder freestyle. I'm not going to bother with reps and the same thing repeatedly, etc. I'm just going to do it my way, different every time. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't work very well, would it? Yeah, probably tear the muscle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Judy. Nice chatting with you. Now, are okay. you? Same what here. kind of weightlifting are you doing? Are you like, 
Are you like bench no, pressing or my, deadlifting? No, or? I'm not doing that at all. Patrick, I okay. probably need to be. No, I was, it's okay. just some, a thought. Yeah, You're staying in shape. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, thank you, Judy. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go. Oh, you know what? Let's go to a break. Perfect time to do that. We won't overshoot the runway. And we'll come back and we'll go back into phone calls, 888-914-9149. And in a little bit, we're going to have some more of the video. I wouldn't call it a war, but an exchange between a daughter whose father walked out on the family when she was five years old to become a professional break dancer. Sounds like a Seinfeld episode. Well, he responded to her video with his own video, and then she responded to his video. And there's some interesting life lessons involved in this. We'll take a look at that as well on the other side of this quick timeout. This hour is sponsored by Christendom College's Free Principles Classes. Sign up for a free online class on Holy Scripture today at NewTestamentFoundations.com. Learn to read the Bible with the mind of the church at NewTestamentFoundations.com. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Patrick a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid on Relevant Radio. Mm, mm, mm. This is good breakdancing music, sir. <laughs> All right, you, you got to stop spinning around, Patrick. Get back on the mic. Can you see? Can you imagine me doing that? Uh, no. I could do it once, and that'd be the end of it. Because I'd probably be in the hospital. You'd be doing the show from a hospital yeah, bed. From yeah. a hospital bed. Okay, so we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but it is interesting. And there are a lot of life issues swirling around in here. Father loss. Divorce abandoning your family, frivolous things. I mean, no offense to all of you breakdancers out there, assuming there are any more breakdancers out there. Um, no offense, but I mean, of all the things in life, I, Cyrus, I would put it this way. Of all the things on my list of things I want to accomplish in my life, breakdancing is not even on the list. So to me, the, the young woman's her 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 claim her allegation her you know what she shared my father well we can play a little bit of that um to go do it for breakdancing to me is like all the more oddball so we're going to hear a little bit from this young woman i think she was graceful and trying to make you know lemonade out of lemons she was kind of having a little bit of fun but i could see and it looked to me on her face as though she, she was sort of masking her pain it almost looked like she was going to cry a time or two when she was explaining. It's only about two minutes long. We'll share that again if you didn't hear it. And I'll let her explain her own situation. You say breakdancing. What does that have to do with anything? You'll understand in a second. Well, then the breakdancing dad, he had he saw it and he responded to it. We'll hear a little bit from him. And then she has a response to him. And you're saying, well, what does this have to do with me? Well, I think a lot. In other words, you maybe you are a young person. Maybe you're a mother or father. Maybe you're a husband or a wife. So there's lots of intersections here. Marriage, fidelity, you know, suffering for the ones you love. Sacrificing might be a better word for it for the ones you love. Staying true to your commitments. Stick-to-itiveness, etc. There are a lot of important issues at the center of this interesting and unusual and rather sad situation. So Cyrus, let's play her initial video i think it popped up on 
on TikTok, and she can explain her own words what happened, and then we'll pick it up from there. My dad abandoned my family when I was five years old. That is um, a wife and four kids. He abandoned us and then pursued amateur breakdancing. And he got really good. <laughs> he like blew up. Like he became like a D-list celebrity status, like viral breakdancer. He became like the oldest actively competing breakdancer in the world. Then he got on Good Morning America and talk shows and Washington Post wrote about him and he went super viral and he did all these interviews and he danced with Paula Abdul. Here, I'll show you. Let's see, take a look at the 60 year old break dancer. Yes, 60 years old. And he's busting some moves here. competition in Philadelphia and he may not have won but he I tell you what he is winning over a lot of people on the internet yes. he really is this guy wouldn't pay my medical bills can you imagine leaving your family the worst part damn yeah, it he's no. good he should not be able to move his body like that it's like impossible it's beautiful hey dad like, there was no split custody or anything. Like, he just, like, left four kids to do that. He may not have paid for some of my medical bills growing up, but he did give me this breakdancing merchandise. So that's him. He's on his head. <laughs> Benny Hanna is his b-boy name because his name is Ben Hart. You know, I'll get texts like this. Happy birthday, question mark. And then, like, links to his to his breakdancing videos. So if you have funny trauma, like, actual funny haha trauma, I need to hear it. Thank you. I like her. There's just something genuine about her. And my read, when I, when I saw the video the first time and, and after that as well, she looks like she's almost about to cry, but she's pushing through with the, the fun part of it or, you know, kind of making fun. Was that your reaction, Cyrus? We haven't talked about this. I'm just curious what your reaction was when you saw that. Yeah, I, I liked her response. She, she's treating trauma and, you know, she's definitely hurt, but she's choosing to laugh at it and poke fun at it instead of walking around being a victim and telling everyone how I'm, you know, this, ha she, she's, woe is me. Woe is me, right. That's exactly right. She's, mm -hmm. she, I don't see a lot of victimhood in her, even though you can tell she's behind the eyes. You can see she's hurt. You can see it. Yeah, that is for sure. I, I like her. I just, there's something very, very genuine about the way she presents herself. Okay. So that was my reaction to it. I thought, okay, that's the end of it. Well, Within a day or two, the breakdancing dad, he comes up with a video. You're going to hear a little bit about this. And I've checked around, and there, it, this doesn't look like it's in any way staged, like staged to to hype somebody's career or, you know, this collusion to let's pretend that this we're having this public feud and that way we'll get more likes or clicks. I don't think there's anything like that going on. So here, do we have the very beginning of his video? We can't play the whole thing, but do we have the very beginning where he talks about how he saw his daughter's video? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Why don't we just play a few seconds of that? And I want to give you a sense of what he had to say. His video is longer, so we can't play all of it. But I'm going to, I'm going to give you the spoiler alert, and then I'm going to tell you my reaction to this video was, when I saw it, I thought, oh, wow, this guy isn't the weirdo that I thought he was. He's not the terrible derelict father who walked out on his family. I mean, he actually is a very likable person, I thought. And then her follow-up video came out. So let's progress. Let's hear how he reacted to her video. Okay. I wake up at 6 a.m. to do some work. I get my coffee. I sit down. I open my computer 
And what am I greeted with? Well, hundreds of comments calling me a deadbeat dad, a child abandoner, and all manner of other insults. So I think, what's this all about? Well, after a few minutes of investigation, I discover that my daughter, Maddie, has made a video about me. She's a screenwriter in Hollywood. She's also a big social media influencer with millions of followers. Some of her videos get millions of views. And this video has tens of millions of views. Okay, let's One pause. One million likes. He's got such a hyper cheerful voice. I mean, he, he comes across as very likable. And he, from there he goes on to say, you know, I at first I hated the video, but, but the more I watched it, the more I kind of liked it. Now I really like it. And there are a few things that are incorrect about it. So can we move to that phase where he's trying to correct the record, Cyrus? All set. Okay. Okay, in many ways, I love this video. And of course, I love my daughter, Maddie. And we get along great. At least I think we do. But a few corrections are in order. Cyrus, does or at least a few things that you? need to be put in Or do you think he's context? saying it from his First, own... First, I can see that as a five-year-old, Maddie would see her dad I, abandoned the family. We should I, pause him. We should pause him. All right. I see a father who, I don't know if he really left to be a breakdancing dad. It doesn't matter. It do, it really doesn't matter. Um, Pardon me, sir. Did you really leave to become a breakdancing dad? I still hear oh. the words of the girl who said she didn't have a father in her life and the medical bills and all the other stuff. That's it's important. It, it seems genuine. It seems genuine. It's an, and it's important. But the most important thing a father can do is be there for his kids and to not be there for his kids. I I mm -hmm. I have to. I just lean towards believing her. My impression is that this um, relentlessly cheerful sounding voice, the way he's talking, I really like her. I really like her video. And, you know, it, it almost to me is like it comes across to me that maybe he's really seething inside. He doesn't show it. It's, you don't see it on his face at all. He's he's chipper. But that maybe this is his cheerful way of not having his career trashed. I mean, there are not that many career options when you're a six-year-old breakdancer, are there? I, I, I mean, see. how do you transition out of breakdancing into something else? <laughs> well, he's got a giant bit. He's wearing a Bitcoin shirt, and <laughs> and yeah, some of his well. <laughs> and some of his dance videos have this giant Bitcoin flag. So he might be a Bitcoin grifter. Well, I don't know if I say grifter. Is that the how wrong I word? I hate that word, by the way. It's so overused nowadays. But anyway, I get the point. So, uh, how about a little bit more? He's going to say what he has to say. And I'll offer comment as we go. Wasn't. And that will look like abandonment to a child. But married couples do get divorced about half the time in America. And I was just living a mile or so down the street in LaGrange, Illinois. We just weren't living under the same roof. Now, about not paying medical bills, that's just not correct. Here was the financial arrangement of the divorce. Maddie's mom, my ex-wife, got $2 million at the get-go. $2 million? How much do you get for breakdancing? We're in the wrong Apparently business. at least $2 million. We're in the wrong business, Patrick. It's too late for me. I missed my shot. My, I missed my breakdancing shot. I, so I'm stuck with what I'm doing now. You're never too late to start breakdancing. I love what I do. Yeah, well, why don't you show me how it's done, Cyrus? How would you transition into the world of breakdancing? <laughs> and make $2 million. <laughs> I don't know how he made $2 million breakdancing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I believe he, be I believe that he believes himself. Like that he, this is his viewpoint on, this is his reality. This is the way he's looking at the situation. 
I didn't abandon my kids. I I paid for everything. I was always right there for them if they needed mm-hmm. me. Uh, but uh, the child's reality is very different. Yeah, yeah, and th- we're going to get to that. This this is why the whole issue of marriage, family life, divorce, keeping your commitments, telling the truth. Um, there is a Bible verse I'd like to put this in right now. It's uh, Isaiah 41, um, 21. Set forth your case, says the Lord. Bring your proofs, says the king of Jacob. And that ties in beautifully with Proverbs 18, verse 17. This is a case study in Proverbs 18, 17. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So we're seeing that here where, as you'll hear in a moment, he he says, well, it's not exactly the way she put it. And then she responds. So let's do that. Let's hear what uh, what else he has to say. Just not correct. Here was the financial arrangement of the divorce. Maddie's mom, my ex-wife, got $2 million at the get-go, out of the gate, a lump sum payment. Plus, I was paying her $18,000 per month in child support and alimony. This was later reduced to $12,000 per month. And of course, I paid health insurance and out-of-pocket medical costs. I also put $600,000 into the kids' college fund. In all, I paid out about $5 million to my ex-wife to cover costs for her and the kids. I'd and this is in $2,005, so add 50% to account for inflation. In other words, I was not a deadbeat dad at all. And by the way, Maddie did not say that in her video. But a lot of the comments assume that and say that. Now, of course, there was no way for Maddie to know how much I was paying because she was a kid. This wasn't something I talked about. Also, remember that I was living one mile down the road from the kids in LaGrange, Illinois. Sidewalks all the way. An easy walk or bike ride. I saw the kids all the time. No abandonment, just a divorce. Was I at fault in the divorce? Yeah, I would say it was about 70% at fault. I own that. Maddie's mom and I were really not compatible in many ways. We were compatible in some ways, but not in other ways. Do I regret marrying Maddie's mom? No, absolutely not. If I had not married Maddie's mom, Maddie and her three siblings would not have been born. They would not have existed. He's getting philosophical now. So financially, uh, his case, uh, he, he left them in a good situation. Of course, that doesn't replace your father. If your father walks out on the family, no amount of money is going to replace that. It can't. So with that in mind, and with that Bible verse in mind, Proverbs 18, 17, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So now, and this will be the end of the of the audio, Maddie responds to the video that you just heard parts of from her father. You know, Patrick, before yeah. I play this, if yeah. I was that father... I would be calling, I would not be posting the social media. I would be calling my daughter and trying to repair what looks like a broken relationship. Mm-hmm. I would not be making a video uh, to garner likes or to to uh, bolster myself up and make me look good. I would. But what about pri- your breakdancing I would career? privately to talk that, to my you? daughter and salvage what's really important. All right, sorry, I felt like that. No, no, it's so. good, good, good. And, and I concur with you that... There are other and perhaps better ways of handling this. Um, I mean, she obviously made it public when she put it out there, so maybe he felt he needed to publicly respond. But in any case, um, I agree with you, Cyrus. So now we're going to hear the final bit, right? Her responding to his comments. Yeah, let's do it. I'm recording a quick response to all this. I'll probably delete this in the morning because, like, I don't actually have, like, bad will. I posted my video because it's a very funny story. It's very silly. Um... 
I like to laugh at my trauma instead of like being super sad about it. But I know my dad posted like a 10 minute video or whatever being like, you know, my daughter's lying. We have a great relationship. I have a great relationship with all my kids. That's just objectively not true. Like guys, we're all freaking out about this in my family group chat right now. We're being like, he's so unhinged and delusional. We don't know if he actually believes his own narrative or if he's lying on purpose, but he's just like a weird guy. Yeah, he said he lived down the street from us. That's not true. Or like if he did, it was only for a few months maybe, but actually for most of my childhood, he lived in Florida with his new wife. Like basically like I don't want to get into this. Like, again, like my video was basically like sanitizing the situation and like poking fun at the lightest parts of that childhood trauma. But obviously in real life, it was a lot more like complicated and traumatic. And it was really hard. He left us, immediately married another woman. We didn't hear from him for years. And then he would visit every few months and we'd go out to dinner. But like, right. he truly had no hand in raising us at all. We don't speak with any sort of right well, there it is. Uh, I have a few comments. Maybe you do too. My number is 888-914-9149. This is the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And I'll be right back.